Welcome to Uvalde Report. Now, we're less than a week away from the Iowa caucus, and last night the Democratic Party hosted a town hall at Drake University where they had the chance to meet and hear the candidates, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, and Martin O'Malley. Now, this town hall was put together kind of pretty quickly because many Democrats in Iowa were dismayed to find out that they're not going to be able to hear the debates between all three candidates before they actually vote in on Monday. So they put together this by, and it was sponsored by the Iowa Democratic Party, and the and it was hosted by CNN, and the anchor of this town hall was Chris Cuomo, who also happens to be the son of former New York Governor Mario Cuomo and the brother of current Democratic Governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Now, they went right into it, and they started with Martin O'Malley. Now, really, the this town hall was a reflection between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Bernie Sanders has really skyrocketed in the polls, and he's just barely behind Hillary Clinton in Iowa. And in New Hampshire, it's the opposite. Bernie Sanders is leading by a wide margin. And for the first time in national polls, Hillary Clinton has dropped below 50%. So she's leading Bernie Sanders 49% to, I believe, about 42 or 43%. So it's not that far off. So And this gave the opportunity to hear these um, all three candidates. Now, we'll start with Martin O'Malley. He was the first one out... off the gate, but he really was never, it's never really about him and the other two candidates. It, he had some good points, but Martin O'Malley was really never asked about his record. He consistently, when he's answered questions, goes into his record about how he was the mayor of Baltimore and then eventually became the governor of, um, of Maryland. But he's never was asked about his record or never challenged on his record. Now, he left office in 2015, and before that, and that was he was replaced by a Republican governor. For the first time, Maryland's had a Republican governor in a few years, but they've only really had, including this current governor, have only had two Republican governors since 1968. But we're really going to focus on the two top contenders, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Now, when Hillary Clinton spoke, she was asked a couple questions by Chris Cuomo, and then it was into the audience where they asked different questions. But each time that she spoke, she spoke for such a long time. Now, she gave, she was very impassioned, and it wasn't, she wasn't challenged because this was just a town hall. Each person in the audience was called upon, asked her a question, and she answered. But she really spoke for a long time, and I believe that also negated other questioners to be asked. And one of the first things that she was asked was her issue of trustworthiness. And if the polls, no matter what poll you look at, most Americans are concerned about trustworthiness, not so much about could you do the job. And one of the millennials asked your issues with trustworthiness, and she answered the question, but she never really addressed the source of that trustworthiness. One of it was being the email, the email scandal that has dogged her campaign since it was announced last March that she used a private server and had a private email account. Now, recently, we've been finding out that more and more secret to top secret information has been found on various emails that she was sent or received. And last week, the report came out, or at least was leaked from the FBI investigation that, and from the inspector general that 
the most sensitive of the top secret of American intelligence was the special access program. Now, the inspector general from the intelligence community wrote that there or sent a letter to the intelligence committee chairs of both the House and the Senate that this is what has transpired. Now, Hillary Clinton attacked back saying this was done from a partisan standpoint, but people need to understand that this inspector general was appointed by Barack Obama and confirmed by then Democratic controlled Senate and that the um, the majority leader, Harry Reid. So it's a little hard to say this is a partisan attack. But she never really did answer the email question or throughout the, the night, she never was asked the correlation between the foundation and her time with Secretary of State because this is another area where the FBI is looking into to see if there was any kind of improprieties or any kind of conflict of interest from there. But again, she spoke very long on these questions. Now, one person who was kind of questioning whether he was going to support her until he heard the Benghazi hearing asked a question about foreign policy. And she spoke about a very lengthy um, um, answer to his question about speaking as intervention was as a last resort. And we can't be as aggressive at using military force. But she never really went into her role in beyond just Benghazi, but in the removal of Muammar Gaddafi out of Libya. She was was one of the most adamant to use, you know, to arm the Syrian rebels in Syria. And she talks about her um, expertise in foreign affairs and how she did this and how she did that. But she never really answered the question. And, when the, and the toughest thing that she mentioned was she was the one that h- helped push the biting sanctions on Iran that got Iran to the, um, the nuclear agre- um, agreement that was just recently signed last year and pretty slowly going to be implemented right now. So these are the, but no one really challenged her on these assumptions. The other thing that was interesting, she mentioned that um, the Allies, when she came into office, or as Secretary of State in 2009, as President Obama's Secretary of State, that the Allies in the region didn't trust the United States, and she built that trust, and now they trust us. Well, that's kind of interesting because because of the nuclear agreement that she supposedly that she pushed forward. And now that it was handed over to Secretary Kerry and President Obama, um, they signed this agreement last year, was the allies in the region don't trust us right now. It's not they look at ISIS and Iran as two different veins. The allies in the region, most notably the Gulf states and Saudi Arabia and Israel, our most stalwart American ally, they look at the threat emanating from Iran and they see ISIS as a threat, but their main threat is the adventurism and the military support of proxy forces and around the Middle East coming from Iran. That's their biggest thing. But nobody seemed to ask her on that or explain that. Now, it's hard in a town hall because all you get to do is ask a question and the candidates get to espouse and and no one challenges them on that. So that's why I, I think in the election season, and this is the same thing with Republicans, I think we really need to get them to to answer how they would govern, what they would do, and how their policies would benefit the uh, the Americans. And we just don't seem to get that in this campaign. And we definitely didn't get that last night. The keep all three candidates, you know, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, and Martin O'Malley. They keep talking about the plight of the middle class and how the income there's huge income inequality and. Americans' wages have stagnated, and job growth is not is not there. And you also talked about colleges 
you know, the high, the high um, cost of colleges for many Americans and how college students, and I know many of them who are graduating with debt or how they're going to fund their college um, career or if they need to go to, um, to get their master's. But no one really talked about that. No one expressed how they would reform it. They talk about we got to get draw down student debt, but they never talked about the cause of student debt. Why is college so expensive? How do we fix these things? But people, the Democrats need to realize this isn't 2008. This is 2016. And you've been running the economy for eight years. Now, there is income inequality. There is wage stagnation. And if anybody just reads the unemployment report that comes out by the Labor Department each year, I mean, excuse me, each month, you will see more and more Americans are working part-time. Wages haven't improved. You're also seeing, which is very troubling for the U.S. economy, is that um, the labor participation rate is at its lowest level since 1978. So more and more Americans are out of the workforce than in it. So that becomes a problem. The one thing they haven't mentioned, and nothing was discussed throughout this from all three candidates, is the stock market. Since the beginning of the year, the stock market has dropped precipitously. And so, I mean, oil prices have dropped as well. But you would think with oil around $30 a barrel, that gives a a much infusion of um, money into the consumer's hands. And you would think they would be spending it, but the consumer is not spending it because they're seeing other costs go up. Most notably, which was not discussed, was health care costs. Health care costs with the passage of the Affordable Care Act was supposed to reduce the cost of health care for the average American. Their costs weren't supposed to go up. They were supposed to be able to keep their plan, keep their doctor. Well, all this proved false. And now we're seeing the ramifications of it is this year, everybody's health care premiums, deductibles, co-pays are all going up, some higher than others. But on average, they're going up six to 7%. And some states are seeing double digit increases. So this wasn't mentioned by any of the candidates. They talk about the Affordable Care Act was a great place to go and they really praised it, but they really never gone into detail, nor were they asked in this format what they would do. And one, and I would say this the same thing with the Republicans who are more adamant about repealing it and replacing it. The difference that whoever becomes president and takes office in 2017, they are not going to enjoy the supermajority of one-party control of the Congress that President Barack Obama came into office with. People have to realize when the Affordable Care Act passed, the stimulus passed, and also Dodd-Frank, which was the financial overhaul, the president had 60 Democratic senators, a a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate, and he had a supermajority in the House, so he could have passed anything he wanted. The next president is not going to have that. Let's say it's one of the Democrats. They they become president. They could potentially have, it depends if the Republicans keep the Senate. We'll have to see come November. But let's say they do keep the Senate and they do keep the House. Or let's say they lose the Senate, but they're definitely going to keep the House, the House of Representatives. How does a Democratic president get their policies through such a partisan gridlock um, government that we have today? So that's, needs to be asked as well. And that question was asked Hillary Clinton when she said one of her greatest enemies is probably Republicans in one of the previous debates. So 
that uh, Mari, I mean, Chris Cuomo asked her that, and she just kind of, well, that's how things work, and that. So she really didn't give a good answer to that, but that's something that both all three candidates are going to have to going to have to deal with. The other thing that just they never really, I mean, this was a difficult town hall. I mean, they were playing to their base, so you know, Republicans do the same thing, but they never really got specific on a few things. They never talked about the national debt. The national debt is nineteen trillion dollars and growing. And by the time President Obama leaves office, it'll be $20 trillion. None of the three candidates talked about the national debt. They talk about income inequality, but none of the candidates talk about what it's like to be a business owner in America today. Now, they talk about corporate America. I know Bernie Sanders is big about you know, corporate America, the income inequality, Wall Street, but no one ever talks about who really is paying the burden for some of the policies that came out in the last few years? And that's small business. The Affordable Care Act, I understand it. There's some good things about it. But for the Affordable Care Act, that is really hurting small business. And the Brookings Institute back in 2014 of May, or May 2014, came out with a report and said that small business or the entrepreneurial startup is at its lowest level. There's more businesses leaving the economy than coming than coming in. And that's problematic because most jobs in America are created by small business with 50 employees or less. So they're really getting hit hard. Now, as a small business myself or small business owner myself, it's hard to get capital. And the, the Dodd-Frank financial overhaul, yeah, it went after, supposedly supposed to go after Wall Street and the big banks, but the the big banks, as Bernie Sanders even mentioned in a previous debate, are bigger than ever. So how is it supposed to reform and keep Wall Street from growing? The one thing that really, I mean, Bernie Sanders mentioned in, previous, in, in the previous debate, and she, uh, Secretary Clinton was asked by the, I think it was the Des Moines Register, but she was asked this last week, is how do you square the fact that you say you're going to reform Wall Street but yet you received six-figure salary, six-figure speaking fees, you know, almost $600,000 speaking fees, and your foundation received millions of dollars of donations from the same firms that you say you're going to regulate. And she talked about, I'm a fighter and all that stuff, but that's a problem. You're receiving these big speaking fees. It's just the same thing when they talk about the rising cost of education. And she spoke, I mean, made $3 million dollars in speaking fees. So that has to be addressed as well. How are you going to reform the system when you're gaming the system? Now, Bernie Sanders really is passionate. I think that now on this debate or this town hall format, Hillary Clinton was really fired up. And I think it it plays to her what she likes because I'm going to ask her a question. She's not being asked from different sides from the other two candidates or the moderator. So she could really connect And I think she connected with the voters. But I think the real problem here is Bernie Sanders is rising. He's very passionate. You go to his rallies and he really connects with the millennials. He really connects with people. Now, that that said, the question is, let's say he wins Iowa and New Hampshire. Does he have enough juice to go into the southern states where the demographics change considerably? His voters 
are usually white, liberal, progressives, where Hillary Clinton is trying to tap into that broad-based coalition of minority voters who propelled Barack Obama to the White House in both um, 2008 and for his re-election in 2012. So that's that's to be seen how this is going to work. But if he wins the next two, that could change the calculus. A lot of people maybe give him a chance to um, to hear him say, hear what he has to say, and and listen to him. Maybe they take a, a second look at him. We'll never know. But the whole question is was on income inequality. It was all about the rich are getting rich, and we need to do some certain things. So this is where the Democrats have been focusing, and it plays to their base of their audience. Doesn't matter who the candidate is. But then you also need to realize, like I mentioned earlier, that they've been running the economy for the last eight years. So they're going to have to that's going to come up in the general election. But the one thing issue when it it was asked, she never answered it, nor would she go that direction. But Chris Cuomo never asked her and nobody else brought this up is the, the 800 pound gorilla in the room. And to Democrats. Maybe not being a big issue, it goes to the trust issue, is the email scandal. Now, Hillary Clinton mentioned the Benghazi hearings, and she said there was, I think there was like five to seven um, investigations, and nobody found anything, and this just is a partisan witch hunt by the Republicans. In some cases, that could be accurate. But in the big case is when the select committee was formed by then-Speaker of the House John Boehner, this is in response to an email they received or they found it was um, through a FOIA release by the deputy and national security advisor, Ben Rose, where they decided to change the talking points that said it was not a video. I mean, excuse me, it was not a terrorist attack and it was a video. That's when Speaker of the House, John Boehner, decided to have a select committee on Benghazi. When they started, and it was headed by Trey Gowdy, when they started to look, they asked the State Department, we want her emails. That's when the State Department said we don't have her emails. And that's when it started to come out that she did not have a government email, a .gov account. And then last March, the New York Times broke the story stating that she had a private server and she had a private email account. And with that statement, she said, I never sent or received classified or top secret or any sensitive material. Well, that's, that's proven false. And then until recently of last week, it comes to find out that we're now looking at over 1,300 of classified to sensitive material found on our email, including the Special Action Program, which is the most sensitive of American secrets. Now, the question becomes, and there was an article written by a gentleman, I can't think, it was an Army colonel retired, and he talked about how classified material would get into an unclassed system. Now, for my listeners to understand, there's three servers or three systems in the, um, in the intelligence field, or at least in the intelligence, no different. Even my 30 years in the Marines, it's the same thing. You have your unclass system, which is what we have at home or what you have at your work. Then you have a SIPRNET, and that is for your secret information. Then there's JWICS, which is where your top secret material are found. The, the problem is, which people need to understand, all three systems, your, your unclass, which is your nipper, your SIPRNET is your secret, and your JWICS is your top secret, all those servers don't connect. The only way for a document to get into an unclass server 
somebody would have to remove it from the SipperNet or the JWIX and transfer it into an unclassed system. Now, to access the SipperNet or the JWIX, you have to go in something called a SCIF, something that's a secure, loca- secure environment. So anything you download or take stays in there. And if you do take it out, there's a handling procedure, and only certain individuals who are trained and have gone through the course can move classified material from an unclassified um, area, and then it has to go to another classified area somewhere else. So this is something the FBI is looking at right now, and this is something that could definitely cause problems from for Hillary Clinton as we move forward. Now, when we go deeper into this election, the question is the FBI eventually is going to finish their investigation. If they make a recommendation or the FBI director, James Cuomo, says, yeah, we believe there should be an indictment. There's enough to here to say somebody or the secretary or her aides did something to move or how they handle classified material. The question then becomes, does the Justice Department go forward with an indictment? If they say no, there's been reports that the FBI and the intelligence community could resign in mass. This is reminiscent of what happened to Richard Nixon and eventually led to his downfall where the attorney general um, was fired. He wanted the Justice Department to do certain things. They refused. A lot of them resigned, or excuse me, a lot of them just resigned and said, we're not doing this. This is going against the Constitution. That eventually led to the downfall of Richard Nixon. This could be the same way. So it would be interesting how this proves forward. Now, as we move forward beyond the email scandal, the other thing that was not mentioned was the foundation. The FBI is also looking at the foundation's and Hillary, the foundation, at the same time, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State because money was coming in from corporations and countries that do business before the State Department, and they were contributing money to their foundation. So there's a there's a that 800-pound gorilla in the room. But the other big question for most Americans is two things, the economy and um, – What's going on abroad? Terrorism. Now, Martin O'Malley was asked a question from a millennial. What is your biggest concern or what do you think our our biggest concern would be? And he responded was climate change. He really reiterated that. Well, most Americans concerned, I mean, they're concerned about climate change, but that's not the top of the list. That's like eighth or ninth or tenth around there. They're concerned about international terrorism, especially after Paris and – San Bernardino, and the economy. And neither the candidates and the Republicans have got to do the same thing. They've got to answer the question is, how are you jumpstart this economy? Too many people have a hard time finding work. College students can't find work. Those who lost their jobs in their 40s or early 50s are having a difficult time finding work. And I would ask anybody, if you, would, if you have lost, if you would lose your job today, could you find the same pay and the same benefits as your current employment? And a lot of people say no. The other thing that's gonna they're going to have to ask right before the Iowa caucus is on Friday, that's when the gross of domestic product comes out for the fourth quarter. And reports have shown that it's going to be like 0.7% growth. It's, it was 2% in the third quarter and growth for the entire um, 
the entire year for 2015 is 1.8% or around there. And it could be revised down the previous estimates, but it's going to be around there, less than 2%. That's not enough to jumpstart the economy. And we have not been above 3% in over 10 years. So these are the concerns that Americans have. And Republicans and Democrats have got to get a, a handle on this. And this is what Americans want answers. They don't want the partisanship. They don't want the bickering. They just want people to answer these questions. And this really wasn't answered. And other questions that, again, weren't answered were small businesses. What happens to them? The national debt. Nothing was mentioned about Afghanistan. Very little was on about ISIS or foreign policy and the various challenges around the world. I know Secretary Clinton mentioned that things are seems like things are going well, but all the things that she mentioned, there's a lot of problems overseas that are not meeting reality. So it's time to, they're going to have to be dialed down and answer these questions. But the thing that needs to change is the media really needs to challenge these candidates, both Republicans and Democrats. And those voters who are going to vote, we need to challenge our candidates and how are they going to solve this? It's like they give these peripheral or lofty goals. This is what I would do, but how would they do that? Because they're going to have a divided government, whoever gets in. If it's a Republican, they could potentially have a Republican-controlled seven Senate. That's to be seen, but they'll definitely have the House. There's no one says they're going to lose that. But let's say they, they lose the Senate and they win the White House. How would they div- run a divided government? And that's the same thing that I would ask any Democrat. You could say you do this, this, and that, but how would you do things? So we need to really challenge these candidates and really ask the tough questions of them and make sure they respond with the tough answers and hold them accountable. But as we move forward, you're going to get more and more of this analysis by Ubaldi Reports. I challenge everybody to challenge their leaders and get out and vote because our country needs to have some problems and we need tough leadership to fix these problems. Also, if you have a chance, you can sign up on Stitcher and on um, iTunes. Learn more, listen to more of these. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you want to hear, and I'll try to get this on my next podcast. Also, if you had a chance, go to um, any bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and check out my book called The New Business Brigade, Why Businesses Need to Hire Veterans and the Untapped Resource They Represent. And my goal is to get that. It's a bestseller on Amazon. My goal is to get it as a bestseller in the New York Times. So sign up. Let me know what you think. Let other people know about Ubaldi Reports. And let me know what you think. I want to know what you think so we can answer these questions for you. So have a great time and get out the vote. Thanks for listening to Ubaldi Reports.